I'm Amy, sex educator, sex and relationship coach, and co-owner of PurePleasureShop.com. I'm April, VP of the cutting-edge sex toy company, Hot Octopus, and I dedicate my life to the business of sex. We are on a mission to teach you how to have hot sex, deep intimacy, and how to make your own rules for who you are as a sexual being. Welcome Welcome to to the the Shameless Sex Revolution. Don't forget to head on over to our website, shamelesssex.com, for more. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code SHAMELESSPP in all caps at purepleasureshop.com. You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Well, hello, everyone. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Shameless Sex Podcast, the new format, Amy and April in separate houses recording over Zoom. We love technology, which is great because this is a sex tech episode all about technology in the sex world. Woo! I know we recorded this one quite a while ago, It was a, but it was a great episode. And sex tech, I, I always was thinking sex tech was virtual robots. reality and sex robots. Uh, it really encompasses a wide range of all sex toys and all things that Amy and I have been involved in for a long time within the sex toy industry. So it was a, it was a great episode and, and our guest was extremely knowledgeable and she's really cool. Yep. Yeah. We're super excited to share this with you. And we were, I'm so grateful that we recorded a number of episodes before the virus because they don't have this under undertones of it. Not that that's terrible, but we have like this whole arsenal of things that um, we recorded in, uh, I think, like January and February. So really excited to share with you. Um, and before we dive in, we have some feedback, testimonial, and a sex question to answer. And then we'll do a bio and we'll dive right into the podcast. Boom. Bing, bang, boom, Amy. Bing, I, bang, I was going to say boom. bing, bang, boom. <laughs> no, you yeah. were not. Well, we're still on the same frequency, even though we're not in the same location. Weird, weird. All weird. right. Let's go to some feedback first. So this is feedback from a listener from a recent episode that we did. It was on the episode that we recorded with Kyle Tierman. I love you ladies and all the work that you do. And I wanted to point out a judgment that I felt through the airwaves and I'm sure you may have not caught. I have had a breast, breast augmentation and Botox. I love that I choose... Oh, they chose to do that and notice a complete change in my confidence. It's unfortunate that we live in a society that in this case, but it just is. I have had three kids, breastfed them for years, and I know I knew I wanted an augmentation after that. I got divorced and dated five years before doing the surgery. Men did not touch my small, saggy breasts. They wouldn't even take my top off, and it was really sad for me. I had to ask them to play with my nipples because I love nipple play. They would do it for a second and then stop. At your age, I also made fun of Botox and all the plastic surgery. I'm turning 50 in a couple weeks, and wow, my views have changed. I will get Botox and all the plastic surgery to keep my looks up. It makes a difference in my energy and feeling sexy in my body. I know you didn't mean to hurt anyone with your words, but I hear those words all the time without people knowing that I've augmented my looks. And I would like to get your perspective as someone who is my age. I'd like to get your perspective with someone who is my age and choosing to keep up with their looks instead of aging gracefully. Again, I love you ladies. Keep up the good work and I recommend your podcast to all of my clients. Yeah, this this is excellent feedback and she gave it in the best, I think, way possible for us to receive it. And I just want to touch on the fact that 
my intention, we were doing our what if stuff. And I'm a person that gets, I, I do a ton of, of uh, self-care, if you will, with the dermatologist. And I, I have had Botox once at my face did not uh, take it well. Cause I have a super small forehead. So I looked angry for like six months. <laughs> I remember that. my, my eyebrows kind of caved. Um, and, uh, and I'm in no way, I was not shaming folks out there that do this kind of self-care. I was creating like, I it, it was trying to be like an, uh, an out of the box scenario for folks because mm-hmm. we don't have access to some of these things. We don't have someone that could come over and give us Botox. I mean, I get microbladed eyebrows. So because my eyebrows, obviously, uh, you lose, they lose like hair and they lose things when you get older. And I'm a 37 year old woman and I would never shame anyone for augmenting their breasts or doing something that they want to do. Obviously, if, if you, if you feel good about doing things that give you more confidence and, uh, I, I encourage you to do that. And I think it's not harming me in any way. And it was more or less to not poke fun at anyone. I just was, we were doing our what if scenarios of what if, and I wanted to just put that out there because people look, Amy, you were just talking about not being able to get your highlights. You're like, my hair is looking crazy right now. And (laughs) and a lot of people are like learning how to do like YouTube videos of cutting their their nails or their nails. People posting their, their nails right now. And like the new trend is going to be like really grown out fake nails. Mine, look at mine right now, Amy on zoom. It's really bad. So I, I'm, I'm, my sincere apologies if, if it came across to folks out there that I was shaming people for getting Botox or doing any augmentation or plastic surgery. My only intention was to create like a, we were just having a conversation around certain scenarios. So uh, I'm, I'll be stoked when I can go back to get facials and, and my eyebrows touched up when that comes. People that get eyelash extensions are losing their shit too, because you need to get those suckers filled. I've had friends text me like, do you know anybody that'll do a house call? I'm like, I don't. So um, I feel you, listener. Thank you for for actually writing in and saying that in such an eloquent way that uh, helped me receive that that feedback as as not uh, something that I need to get defensive about or, uh, you know, something that I I haven't also participated in because Mm -hmm. I, I too, need the the estheticians out there of the world. I need, and the, not plastic surgery yet because I didn't have kids. And so I, but I know some of my friends that have had kids are like, my kids suck the life out of my boobs and I got a boob job. I'm like, fuck yeah, dude, I would have done that too. Or folks that have had to have a mastectomy and want that, you know, to, to have breasts or just maybe they just want a lift, you know, it's mm-hmm. each to their own, totally well, support it. And I think what the listener is speaking to also is we live in a society that really reveres youth. And I think it's in all people. It's not just women, but I think there's a, a strong focus for uh, women to have, and it, you know, to, to maintain this youthful look and this picture perfect, clear skin. You know, even if you're 50 or 60, like you shouldn't have wrinkles and things like that. And so a lot of this also, I think what this person is speaking to is um, this cultural idea perspective of, and not just women, again, all people. I know, I know men that get Botox and things like that too. So we're living in the society that reveres youth in the way that people should look. And some of it might be gendered too. And um, again, thank you for highlighting this for, um, for us listeners. Sometimes we, you know, we might say things that we're not really seeing uh, how that might have an effect on people. So we really appreciate all feedback. Um, that's a that, good, we, that's it. Well, I, I've been trying to explain to my 15-year-old stepdaughter because she's constantly on TikTok and, and she'll show me like the top TikTokers. And uh, she's like, oh my God, those girls are like the most beautiful girls and they have 4 million followers and they're like the hottest people on the planet. And I'm like, okay, what makes them beautiful? And don't, 
do you think that perhaps we can all find our beauty without thinking that that's what beauty looks like because they're super skinny? And right now it's like that curve, that butt, you know, but in the skinny little waist mm-hmm. um, and then some boobs and, and big lips and the big eyes and, and all. And that is the look that a lot of, especially teenagers are going for. And, and I just encourage everyone out there as, as I do to myself, because I get hard on myself uh, at photos that I take and just encourage people to like, look at yourself and, and just focus on the, the assets that you love the most when you take photos. And, and, um, that I, 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 I struggle so much. I'll pick myself apart. If it was like, Oh my God, I have wrinkles or, mm. Oh, I, I, yeah, I don't look like the quintessential, um, celebrities that are big IG famous celebrities that, or even the IG famous people that have sponsors and that's okay. And I think it's good to be different and all beautiful in your own ways. So I just wanted to share that too, because that's something that I've trying to been, I'm trying, trying to instill into the teenager that I live with. And mm-hmm. I don't think she receives it. Yeah. <laughs> not yet. yeah she's, she's like, like, not yet. Maybe I'll talk to you in, when I'm in my thirties and I get my crow's feet and all that yeah. or some people in their twenties. So and she's so gorgeous too. Okay. So on onwards and upwards here. So testimonial time, which I'm really excited to read. Thank you again for writing us y'all. We, we just love reading your things. So your podcast has helped me a ton. I'm a hetero female married to a wonderful man, and we've always been very open to experimentation and in sync in the bedroom with one exception, anal. Love that. Mm-hmm. I could never really pinpoint why, but I was always against anal play. My husband had explored it in the past and wanted to try it with me, but I never could get comfortable with it. And then I ran across your podcast a while back and hearing it discussed in such a casual, positive way started to open me up to it a little bit. So I went and I found some anal focused erotica Mm -hmm. to get me in the right mindset. And we took the plunge, so to speak. Thankfully, I did enjoy it quite a lot. We are very excited with the new addition to our bedroom menu. I also wanted to insert a little detail that may help others in a similar situation. I first started getting into light bondage years ago before my husband and I met. And I quickly realized that being restrained ironically made me feel more in control of the play. So we got my restraints out for this session to help with any nerves that may come up for me. And it was a huge help. So thank you both for making the different facets of sex more approachable. Keep up the amazing podcast. Yay! Hooray. Yes, to Anal. Anal, yeah. we love Anal. Um, we love Anal. And the restraints great. too, I think I showed this. I had, this person was talking about nerves that came up and I had an experience with restraints recently where I realized as someone who's working so hard on, on, on active receiving, not always be like a doer, I need to do something. Restraints help me to just receive in a more powerful way where I'm like, oh, I can't even move. So this is great. Now all I have, I have to receive. So yeah, restraints can be really healing and really inspirational. Wait, I want to share with you, Amy, and I guess to everyone out there that's listening, I have the under the bed restraint system. And every time I like we have either, you know, a cleaning crew come, which they aren't coming anymore because of the the virus situation. Uh, They make the bed and the restraints are like under, (laughs) they're like dangling like on the ground. And then sometimes my partner's daughter will house it for us and sleep in, in the bed. And then I'll come back and they're like dangling because she changed the sheets or something. And I'm like, Oh, well, everybody knows about our restraints. So uh, that's because we don't have a box spring. So they don't, we have like a, a bed that is, you know, 
a box springless. So they just literally dangle on the floor. So I don't know if that if that's an issue for them or if they even know what it is. But I always think like, oh, everyone knows that I'm a little bit kinky. They're they're probably like, oh my, okay. They just try to like pass over it right away. They're like, oh, yeah. you're so funny. <laughs> I had this, I forgot, this is not really to restraints, but I wanted to share this real quick. Um, so, and maybe April, you might want to try this because I thought it was pretty fucking brilliant. So uh, I was having sex with my partner the other day and they got the idea. I was like, we need mirrors. I want to be able to see what's going on. I'm like a visual person, but I want to see the whole body, like all of our bodies, both or all of us, two of us, um, and, what, and all the things that are happening. And, you know, in certain positions, he gets like a pretty good view of what's going on. And like, I can see some things. But anyways, he, while we we're in sex, he's like, oh my God, I have an idea. This was not inspired by what's going on too with the, the virus because everyone's on technology right now. He's like, let's both get on our phones and FaceTime video each other. Wow. So he's was behind me, like, you know, like a doggy style position, holding his phone on FaceTime. So I could see all the, a view of what he could see from behind me. And I had my phone as FaceTime too, with my face. So he could see my face and my reaction than him, like himself from behind and with my face. Do you understand what I'm saying? Your face looks like. I, I'm trying to picture it. Sorry. I, so we're both on please, FaceTime please, as please reenact so, it right now. Right I'm just kidding. See, okay. You and I right now are on a call where I can see you and you can see me, but imagine if we were like, had this handheld so you're actually having sex with me behind me and you're filming it from your camera but but you can also see my face on its mini facetime screen at the same time and where i'm on a call with you and i have it in front of my face as well and so i can see everything that you can see and you can see everything that i see but we're still having sex we're on a facetime call at the same time that's when you need a selfie stick amy and no no it was i was fucking brilliant because this is the other thing that happened then he took the phone and he put it underneath and on the bed, so it's sitting straight up. So even then he could look from my screen on my phone. This is very complicated, but from my screen on my phone, now he could see the under view of his cock going inside of Adam in a view, an angle that neither of us has ever been able to see before. Amy's You're- gonna draw a diagram of this, everyone, and put it online. <laughs> Does anyone not understand what I'm talking about? <laughs> no, I get it. I get it. it is very complicated. Get your whiteboard out, Amy, and then could you draw that for me? <laughs> oh, yeah, the look on her face is like, what the fuck are you talking about? There's okay. a lot going on there. But I'm oh. really happy that you had enough time to figure that out and that yeah. it was the genius of just wanting to see each other. I'm just going to go ahead and get you a mirror. I'm going to go that right now for you and have that delivered. I don't have room. Um, you see my bedroom. It's like all tiny and has things. You know what? You have room. a ceiling. Okay, Amy? I know, get but then creative. I look all crazy. I mean, I'm, I'm into it, but like I have clients that come into my house. They have to walk through my bedroom to get the rest of my house. They'd be like, uh, but I guess I do sex and relationship coaching. So they might be like, all right. You could get cool. those little stick on uh square mirrors and just kind of make them on the ceiling in different formation i <laughs> like it and maybe when you're allowed to come over to my house you could help me set that up okay. because you're okay. really good at even eye for this um and for our listeners if you want to try some restraints we have restraints at purepleasureshop.com and you get 15 percent off with coupon code shameless sex um and they do, we don't have the under the bed restraint system on there right now but there's all kinds of other ones there's also the sex kitten five piece Oh, mink fur love bond kit that has these different ties and they're nice. And Ooh, soft. the doggy strap harness, that a- doggy style strap harness. Do you remember that one? I used to have that. I don't know. I think I lost it in one of my breakups. That was but- a sport sheets. Yeah, that's yeah. a sport sheets one. If you all have that, that's a cool one too. It just adds like a little bit of it just adds something else extra to your to your doggy style sessions. Um, because and then get out, put your- it under your-, your stomach and hold it. <laughs> Sorry, I choked on a nut. <laughs> 
<laughs> You're nuts. Uh, are you ready for a sex question? Yeah. Perk up at the think we're nuts. Okay. My fiance and I love to have sex doggy style. Doggy style seems to be the theme today. Oh, there you go. Uh, but I have one issue. After we are done, there's a lot of air in my pussy that comes out afterwards, also known as queefing. I have a tilted cervix, so it makes things where I have to get my ass up in the air pretty far and arch my back a lot for it to hit the sweet spot. Could this cause all of the air or is it because I am too loose? My fiance says he thinks that I'm tight, but I feel like I'm not tight enough. Should I use Kegel balls or do more Kegel exercises? Is this normal? I thought so. Okay. Fun story for me. This used to happen to me in like when I started having sex when I was like 18 through like my early 20s a little bit, um, either with sex, like with doggy style sex or like finger. I hate the term finger banging, but like the early era days of finger banging back in the day when I was like, you know, an uh, old, older teen and, and like, you know, experimenting with that. I would get air trapped in there and I'd be like, what the hell? And then I'd be all embarrassed. Like you're not supposed to do that. Like it's so embarrassing that there air, there's air trapped in there. And I also had this happen in yoga in my beginning days with yoga with um with inversions when I do like shoulder stand and my I would put like my lower body above my upper body and over time it just shifted it's like stopped happening and there's certain positions where sometimes I'll still get a little air trapped in there but it's not happening all the time um I I and I I I, I actually I'm going to say I don't have the perfect answer to this and maybe April you have something to say about this um I think if your partner says they think that you're tight, you're probably not too loose. I don't necessarily think this has to do with a looseness. It might be the positions. It might be the, you know, the shape and structure of your body and where you're saying your, how your, your cervix is angled. Um, and, uh, I think that in my experience, what may have happened was that my body just wasn't used to these things because it was so new. You know, I was like 18 and starting to experiment with these things. And then over time, my, my body kind of adjusted to it, to these different things. You know, my body wasn't used to having sex, having fingers inside of it and, you know, in doggy style positions and being in inversions. And the more I practice these things, the less it happens. So I guess it, for this person, is this a new thing? This has been going on for a while. Does this happen with other partners or has it happened with other partners? Um, if it's something that has been going on for a while, no matter who you're with, um, it might just be, you know, the shape of your body and nothing, nothing necessarily, there's nothing wrong with it. So I would say it's normal. And I feel like we need to get away from the idea of queefing being bad about sounds from sex and air being trapped and like, oh, it sounds like a fart. So it's not cool. I think when I, when it happens to me, I'll just laugh. I'm like, ah, that's when I'll be like, it's air just so you know. And they're like, I know. Like, why do you think you need to say that? I'm like, I don't know. I don't want you think I just farted on your cocks. <laughs> Well, it's the same thing when you're having sex and you're really close and your your bodies make that noise of when your, yeah. your chest gets suctioned together and it's like, and it does like that same <laughs> thing. And I always crack up. I'm like, that's hilarious. What came up for me are, are, are I guess, I mean, blah, I can't talk right now. What came up for me is the thought that they might be doing a lot of in out. So sometimes if you have the, the cock coming out and then going back in um, or it slips out and then maybe it goes back in, that could get more air trapped in there uh, regularly, which will come out. That's when I've experienced a lot of queefing is when air gets trapped in. And that's why I always suggest no, no in outs uh, when for myself when, uh, I'm doing any, any position really. Uh, if that's not the case, maybe it is the angle that your body is tilted and just the way that maybe air can get in there. I would say kegels are, are 
never a bad idea unless you have an overactive pelvic floor uh, that's doing some some spazzing. If that's not the case for you and your pelvic floor feels feels uh, naturally kind of kind of uh, like it's operating at a, at a normal rate, then you could throw in a Kegel exercising ball. They have the smart balls are great. Purepleasureshop.com has those. You can start with the one ball and then work your way up to the two balls. Um, there's, I think the Lilo makes the Luna beads. They have those on purepleasureshop.com. I would say just for the, just maintaining pelvic floor health, throwing in some Kegel balls from time to time is an absolute great idea. It's only going to enhance your orgasms because that pelvic floor muscle has a lot of control over what your, uh, what your, like when it contracts, uh, it can really help you have an elevated orgasm. Uh, it can also help you with incontinence if that's ever a thing. And it's just, it's just, it's adding a, a weight to your to your muscle to kind of give you results faster. So it's like going to the gym and lifting a, a five pound weight, right? If you just flex your arm for for twenty five minutes, you're not really going to get much re- for a result. But if you go and add some weights to your arm flexing, then you will start to get some muscle tone. And it's the same with with Kegel exercises. You can do them. You could squeeze your pelvic floor yourself uh, just to get some faster results and and perhaps some some better results. You can just add uh, some Kegel balls to that situation to just help you along. Uh, I would say you're absolutely normal. And as Amy said, queefing is not a bad thing. So embrace the queef, laugh a little and embrace that you're having great sex in doggy style position. And they're saying they found the sweet spot. And so actually when they said, I have to arch my back, my, I arch my ass way up to get to the right spot. It reminds me of like, you know, if I was getting the queef from uh, inversion, that was me having my hips really high up in that position. So it might just be the angle, but fuck it. You're getting to the sweet spot. Like embrace it it feels good then and it doesn't sound like your partner has an issue with it so all right let's get to our amazing guest bio we've got andrea barica who is a ceo and co-founder of o.school a judgment-free multimedia platform to learn about sexuality and pleasure through videos live chat live streams and more Previously, Andrea co-founded accounting and tax platform in Dinero.com. She also served as a venture partner and entrepreneur in residence at 500 Startups. She is also the author of the new book, Sex Tech Revolution. To learn more, visit O.School. But first... This podcast is made possible by Manscaped. If you love the D just as much as we do, then it's time to trim up. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for you or your man's family jewels. We are huge fans of Manscaped's Perfect Package 3.0, which includes the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0, as well as their anti-chafing crop preserver and crop reviver. So when was the last time you shaved your pride and joy? Don't lie. If it's been a while, then it's time to give yourself the gift of some beautifully Manscaped balls that smell and feel oh so fresh hey there's nothing worse than a mouthful of pubes penis owners it's time to step up your game penis admires you just discovered a great gift item for your lover and our listeners get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code shameless at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off with free shipping at manscaped.com use code shameless get pleasure the right way and use manscaped and now back to the show 
All right, everyone, it is episode time. We are here with Andrea, CEO and founder of O School and the author of the new book, Sex Tech Revolution. Uh, she wears many hats and has done many things, so we'll let her explain more about that. Um, with our very first question that we'd like to ask our guest, Andrea, is, it's Andrea, right? Not Andrea? Yes. Yes. I did it right. Yes. Okay. <laughs> All good. Uh, so how did you get to be where you are today and doing the work that you're doing? Well, I grew up in a super conservative Filipino Catholic family. So the only sex ed I ever got was do not have it at all until you're married. Right. And I also, as a young queer person, was fed a lot of messages about how that was you know, definitely not okay in my family. And so after I kind of built my tech career, I built accounting software, I worked in venture capital, um, I really started looking around. And for me personally, I, I really couldn't find a lot of great resources in between like planned parenthood and Pornhub. And I was like, there's got to be something in between there. And so that's um, how I went from building accounting software and working in um, tech venture capital and started really thinking about what could that space look like in that sexual wellness. So now you're in the business of sex, which is, I, I just, I love the business of sex. Hopefully you do too. But I want to know more about sex tech because mm-hmm. that is sort of where, where your expertise lies within. Is it, when I think of sex tech and I'm probably wrong, so I can't wait for you to enlighten me, but I think of like sex robots and uh, the virtual reality of porn. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about what sex tech is? Absolutely. And it, in reality, like what you just described is part of it, right? Like it's pretty much anything that is envisioning what the future of sexuality and what technology, what new innovations, what new technology, what new websites, right? So the web is part of it. But I think the reason people go to sex robots and, you know, this type of thing is that a lot of people don't realize how behind the mainstream internet is even in delivering basic information, right? Like if you Google, for example, like um, about some some pain during sex, you're going to get WebMD, you're going to get maybe Cosmo, you're going to get some resources out there. And sex tech also involves like all of the companies that are starting to ask questions like, why don't we have, you know, better, better clitoral stimulators? Why don't we have better pelvic floor exercisers? Like, and anything that's really pushing forward the products, you know, and the platforms um, that help everybody live their happiest, healthiest sexual wellness, you know, for them, for their, for their health, for their general health and wellness. Um, that is kind of what's exciting about sex tech. And it involves, you know, some of the things that you mentioned, but it, it's really much more than that too. I saw a video of the AVN, uh, well, show and porn awards in, in, um, in Las Vegas just happened this last month. And now I don't know when this podcast is going up, but it happened in, in January. And I saw a video of some of the robots that, I don't know if you've seen this April, but they they literally, the way that their faces can move, like it's crazy. Their cheekbones even go up and the way the eyes move, it's it's like beyond anything I've ever seen. Um, and West world stuff. So wait, when, when does a sex robot become artificial intelligence? Like what is, what, when are we, when are we moving into to that? Is that happening? Are we doing that now? So I was actually at AVN. I was speaking there uh, and we got, I got to see some of the booths. And I think the question I would ask is, you know, it's, it's interesting like that, that, you know, in terms of when does it become AI? I think before 
any of that happens, I think we have to ask too, like who are the customers of these products, right? Like I think a lot of sex tech, and now we have so many sex tech innovators, sexual wellness founders, entrepreneurs, inventors coming in the space. And that's really important because as you see, like I think the most advanced, you know, kind of examples of, of those sex doll robot, you know, ro- products, a lot of them are for a specific consumer and I got to meet many of them at that conference. And so, yes, I think that, you know, in general, a lot of technology we see today, like the future of, you know, AI, but even payments, video streaming, many of the the technologies we take for granted were actually pioneered in the porn industry first, in the adult industry first. And so I absolutely do believe that whoever kind of really pushes to, you know, how do we get that, you know, AI robot that can really um, be a human companion for someone and, and fill that need. I do believe that the, the, you know, the sex doll industry is going to be in that conversation or should be in that conversation. At the same time, you know, me personally as a sex tech kind of entrepreneur and uh, as someone who covers the space a lot, I actually think there's a lot of other things that are really interesting because, again, like who's really excited about an AI-powered sex doll, right, mm-hmm. but in the end of the day? And um, while I think it's still interesting, I don't want to, you know, shame anyone, like, again, like, good for people who want to enjoy that. And um, one of my good friends, Misha Battle, she has a, um, you know, she talks about digital sexuality and how a lot of people are getting their needs met from, from robots. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? I don't actually think there's anything inherently wrong with that. I do think there's something really wrong when that's being furthered by so much technology investment and innovation, but other things that would, would, would actually help a huge, much bigger audience of people and a lot more diverse audiences they're not getting funded. They're not like being innovated on. I think that's a big problem. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, what comes to mind for me too is two things. There's the, we're in this, this time where folks are more and more disconnecting from connection with each other, you know, with social media and the cell phones and, and screen culture. And, um, and so there's, I guess that would be something of a concern of mine, I wouldn't shame anyone, of course, for wanting to have a robotic companion um, at all. And there's other, also on the plus side, you know, for folks who don't have access, you know, easy access to companionship, to to sex, to touch, um, you know, maybe some folks with disabilities, or um, or there's so many reasons why people feel like they don't have access to to um, to companionship of, of that sort. So I think that there's probably a lot of pros and cons, which. Um, I'll just ask you this question right now then. So how do you think this is going to change sexuality as we know it? Like, what do you think the pros and cons are of this? My first, ex- my first exposure to sex dolls was at one of the largest sexuality therapy conferences. And there's definitely a therapeutic, you know, application potentially. Mm-hmm. In terms of how this is going to change, like I see this as there's so many so many trends happening, right? Like I'll just list a few and we can look at like how the tech industry, the sex tech industry and the sexual wellness industry, right? Because not everything is sex tech. Like for example, like a lot of farm, a lot of, you know, sexual wellness companies have been around for many, many years. Like sex tech, you know, is kind of a new word, but people making solutions for sexual problems are really, really old, right? Like there, there have been people, especially a lot of women making new lubes, making, you know, new products for many, many decades. Um, in 2009, Cindy Gallup, you know, the founder of Make Love Not Porn, started coining, really, really pushing the term sex tech. And in terms of how this is going to change things for everyone, I mean, just look at dating apps, how dating apps changed the world, right? Like it used to be people had to meet in person. And now like a large percentage of people are meeting their partners 
and through dating apps. And same with, you know, I think the, the precursor of sex tech was actually femtech, right? We didn't have a breast pump. It's not like babies were invented, you know, or, or you know, breastfeeding people were invented recently, but we see that. And so how this is going to change is, is really could have far reaching you know, effects on and, and, and implications for how we choose our partners, how we connect sexually with each other. And absolutely in terms of people connecting with digital sexual partners, I think there is a lot of fear um, because we do see a debt generation more like separated or, you know, are people going to be connecting as much? I actually think that that what I kind of focus on is how happy are people with their sexual identity, right? At this time, you know, millennials and Gen Z are so much more likely to be LGBTQ. Um, asexuality, 1% of everybody is asexual in the world, right? So, and, and, and are on some spectrum of like the ace spectrum of asexuality, right? There's all of these changes. In 2009, single women outnumbered married women for the first time in American history. Woo-hoo! So at the same, yeah. And so, and why does that matter? It's because masturbation is now more common and all these, you know, more partners until marriage is happening. And so I think of, you know, people having potentially digital partners as part of this, um, but there's so many, it's like, it's just one of the things that is changing the world, not like the biggest thing I would argue. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, and I'm, I get that. I get, I get that there's, as is with everything, right? Like there's so many uh, technological advances that we have that has so many uh, benefits to to people and to, to sexuality and I'm just sexuality, just technology in general is, is, you know, helping people in a lot of ways. And then there's going to be cons to everything, you know, we can't please everyone. And, um, I know that people have a lot of fear of robots taking over the world. And I know we're talking about more than that. And I can speak to, you know, we, April and I worked in the sex toy industry for how many years have we been in this industry? Uh, since 2008. Yeah, since 2008. And so we've seen a lot of the advances, you know, back in the day when it was just, you know, toys had, you know, a single push button for things and maybe they had, they were, you know, they were already rechargeable at that point, but now there's a Bluetooth technology, you know, connecting people from, you'd be across the other side of the world and still vibrate your partner from afar with something like a WeVibe or there's plenty of other products that are doing that technology too. Oh, my bot does too, right? As well. Um, and sure, so- and you've got the Laura DeCarlos doing yes. biomimicry and um, we were on the panel together and she was talking about how, you know, it used to be like, people would release new colors of vibrators. And now it's like, it's real innovation. It's not just, hey, now there's like more designs for the same exact toy. It's like, why don't we, you know, Lioness is doing things about like tracking, you know, data tracking your own orgasms. There's so many awesome things happening um, there. And I think what I kind of think is, is actually really important because there's so much new innovation is that we need to make it easier for people to discover these products, how to buy these these products is actually one of the most behind things that I'm seeing. Like there's actually awesome products being developed and released, but the average person has literally no way of like finding out about them unless it's on social media or, you know, and God forbid, like, you know, you can do some searches on Amazon and Adam and Eve and other kind of retailers. But um, right now sex ed is an all time low. And that's why O school, you know, why it's important that why we chose to start with content and education is because we found that, lots of people are not actually finding out about all of these innovations that you're, you're both talking about, which I think are awesome. And I think that 
with I work with Hot Octopus, which is uh, a, a pretty innovative company. We actually took medical technology and used it for a masturbator. So it uses oscillation, which is medically proven to help stimulate the erectile tissue and help folks that perhaps have erectile issues actually eject. They can ejaculate. And for a long time, this product was and for. For, for many years, and it still was unheard of. People didn't understand it. People didn't know exactly what, why they would need something like this. And when I now am in stores talking about it, and it almost seems like you're shopping at a Best Buy when you're in these sex shops these days because of where all of the technology is going. And it's a great point to think about us almost one step. We're an electronics company. And when I'm explaining the technology to people, I'm like, you're in charge of being able to handle and explain the innovation to folks like end consumers that have seventh grade level. So are you comfortable with that? And you're talking about genitalia and erectile tissue. So I just wanted to touch on and and sort of thank you for that viewpoint. Uh, How do people figure out what the innovations are? You can't go online. It's an abyss. So in, in stores, a lot of folks don't even know what they're talking about. And speaking of in stores, everyone, <laughs> a lot of the products we just talked about, um, I not Lioness I've actually experienced before. That's a really cool product um, that, that shows you the power of your orgasms on an app. That's really cool. Um, but, you know, Hot Octopus, We Vibe, uh, Oh My Bod, um, they, we actually sell at Pure Pleasure. So everyone can go to purepleasureshop.com. You all get 15% off with coupon code Shameless Sex. Shameless promotion. Um, so, one question <laughs> How much? Are these brand new fancy robots going for? I mean, I, I imagine they're not cheap. And so a lot of folks can't afford them. It's a specific demographic. But what are we looking at? I mean, I, I haven't looked. I, I don't have like this, but it's, it's, it's quite a lot. Yeah. It's like in the tens of thousands or Ooh. the thousands, you know, it's it, like, especially for the most, you know, uh, for the most, you know, sophisticated models and the newest models mm-hmm. um they're definitely i mean there's i think there are sex dolls that are much less but um i've heard you know thousands tens of thousands you know these are um these are what we're seeing and, and so are we at the place where the technology is like these these sex robots that are being developed i mean i know it's like a, kind of we're in the the initial phase of it it's like a newer thing that's happening but are they um able to do things like you know, give blowjobs and um, lick a pussy and things like that. And also, are we seeing, are they popping? Are they also of all body types? And, you know, is it, or is it just like vulva robots, um, vulva only robots? Yeah, I think that there's a, there's a spectrum. Um, I'm not, you know, honestly, this is, this goes to show like in terms of, you know, where I sit in the sex tech world, I'm like, there, there's tons of people who, you know, are following that. I think the, the customer bases for these are, are small like for me like I think they are developing it but it's all about like who's going to be at the end of that willing to to buy and I've actually focused on mainstream audiences and like for example like 50% of American women um, according to some studies have tried a sex have tried a vibrator or tried a sex toy or tried something and there's still other half of American women who've never who have never who aren't really getting access to this market and you know I think sex dolls to, to you know your point is a really advanced product right it's a super advanced product. And so they are making those. I think there's a lot of custom, you know, custom pieces. And I would, I hear about a lot of hobbyists who are like, oh yeah, we can make it do this and make it do that. But it's, I don't think a lot of them are, are in terms of what's ready for mainstream purchase. You know, I've seen some cool features, like you, you said, um, but in general, like 
um, aside from kind of really cool cosmetic, like you said, like some facial movements and, you know, being able to take the head off of dolls. There's like various things that I saw just recently at AVN, but at the same time, like I haven't, to be honest with you, I haven't like made that the topic of, or the, the focus of my research in sex tech, because it's kind of like VR porn, like you mentioned earlier. Um, I actually looked into virtual reality porn in a big way um, a few years ago. And at the time, there were like only 10 to 12,000 headsets in existence. So you're literally making a product for 12,000 people who own a headset. And so people were really talking about it. But when I really looked at it, I was like, this isn't like people, I think there's a lot of, of, of people excited about it. But for me, I always look at like, where are the billions of people going to be you know, impacted? And I don't personally right now see that happening. Okay, time for a quick break. This podcast is made possible by OMGS.com. OMGS is a research-based online program that teaches you all about how to pleasure the pussy. OMGS studied thousands of vulva owners to find out how they orgasm and then made tasteful and inspiring short videos to show you techniques on how to pleasure yourself or another vulva. I've been recommending OMGS to my clients for years and has changed their lives. So for all you vulva owners or vulva lovers out there who may already be having good orgasms and you want to take it to the next level, or perhaps you want to explore more variety in your playtime, OMGS will have something just for you. With two seasons, one all about internal and the other all about external techniques, it's better than any book or DVD money can buy. To learn more, visit omgs.com backslash shameless. Our listeners get $5 off. Check it out. This podcast was also made possible by Uber Lube. It's a luxurious silicone lubricant great for all kinds of sex. It's less likely to throw off the pH than most other lubes. And there are hundreds of doctors who recommend Uber Lube to their patients, whether they want to make their hot sex even hotter or for folks who are experiencing dryness. You never knew lube could be this good. So whether you're an avid lube lover or you've never used lube before, Uber Lube is right for you. It has no flavor, no scent, and feels absolutely amazing on the body. Uber Lube has endless uses. I use it to tame my hair frizzies, to prevent chafing, and I even put some in my mouth right before an oral sex session, and it totally ups my blowjob game. Oh, and the bottle, it's gorgeous. It's totally discreet and looks more like a beautiful cosmetic product, so you can even leave it on your nightstand shamelessly. To learn why we think it's the best lube on the planet, check out uberlube.com. Use code SHAMELESSSEX and you get 10% off and free shipping. That's uberlube.com. Go check it out. And now back to the show. Yeah, that, that's a great way to uh, talk about the next question. And it's kind of like, where is sex tech going and what's the future of this business? Because you're right, there's very minimal amount of folks that even have access to buy those virtual reality, the, the virtual reality. I actually have one of the, the headsets. Um, it only works with certain it, I got it. Porn? No, it doesn't. It only works with certain porn and it's really, it's not that great. I got it like three years ago. Uh, anyway, so what do you, what do you think is the future of sex tech? I think that for us to get into even the conversation of, you know, vir- virtual robots and, and all of these, um, you know, innovations that we're talking about, people need to know where their clitoris is. <laughs> like right now, globally, like sex ed is so abysmal. Like the reason, you know, again, we started with, with the most basic information, like we help people learn where 
the clitoris is, the true size of it. It's because many medical doctors, so the average medical doctor globally only gets an average of 10 hours of sex ed, right? Mm-hmm. So even our medical professionals don't know like much about pleasure, right? You both, and with your experience, probably know more than the average medical doctor about pleasure. And if you expand that to right now in the United States, 50% of students aren't getting any sex ed. And of the 50% of students who do, the majority of it is abstinence only until marriage. And so when I do college tours and I'm speaking to like 18 year olds, many of them don't know where their pee come out or like, like I've met law, like law students who don't know that women can even have orgasms at all. Like that, that like I'm still meeting these people. And so what I like to kind of talk about is like the future of sex tech is first, just the acknowledgement that this is a space that should be treated like yoga or meditation. It's part of wellness. It's part of health. So for me, the future involves medical and public health professionals treating this seriously, because if it, if it just stays in the adult world, it's only going to be a very, very small population. Like we talked about, like 12,000 people were looking at virtual reality porn. You know, I don't think that, I don't think that the numbers of, of, of people using dolls is going to go up in a big mainstream way until we bridge this huge gap of education and, 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 and stigma, frankly, like we need to take back the idea that, you know, we don't look to religious or moral institutions to tell us how much water to drink, right. Or what nutrients we have. We, we rely on medical, prof- you know, professionals, but in this field, you have people like us, you know, people who believe in it and, and not necessarily um, uh, really spreading this, this education. And interestingly, I find that most sexual wellness companies, probably yours as well, both of yours, education is a big part of what you do, right? And that's such a rare thing, right? Like, what if we didn't rely on schools to teach math, we really relied on like banks to teach people math, right? This is just one weird area of society where, you know, this, this kind of stigmatized industry is also providing this like super valuable education to people. And I think like the future of sex tech relies on bridging that gap. And until we do that, it's going to stay small, kind of underground or, you know, and I think kink, you know, you see some things kind of moving like before 50 shades of gray, no one was talking about kink. And, you know, before like certain Netflix shows, people like really didn't understand asexuality. And now you have, you know, um, some like programs that are, are, you know, some like pop culture talking about it. And so, you know, I think that it's, it's really a societal um, kind of big task and it's really undoing this idea that sex is bad and like shameful, which is what this podcast is all about, right? It's like removing that. So is the category of sex tech things, I'm realizing it's just like such a broad category would be like on Netflix, the show sex education and how, um, they had, you know, they, that, that was one of the shows where there was someone who was an asexual um, per- person there who was asking for advice from the the on-campus sex therapist. Like, so do you put that kind of thing where there's these more progressive um, technological outlets that are um, educating? And then also part two is, is that what you're doing at O School? Maybe you can tell us a little more about O School. Sure. Well, I think that like sexual wellness encompasses kind of some of the non-tech or non-product innovations, right? Like developing, um, you know, for example, like there are lots of nonprofits who create education. They're part of sexual wellness. Maybe they're not part of like the tech industry in that way. And so 
I think the sex tech industry kind of follows what sexual wellness is exposing. For example, there's a company called Onut, the founder, Emily Sauer, she's awesome. And it's like, she, you know, uh, painful sex, really common, wasn't a lot of innovation. She developed a tool that helps people, you know, um, uh, kind of manage that painful sex with a little insertable, you know, a little insertable like a bumper. Uh, cushion. Yeah. yeah, like a little bumper. And that's sex tech. That's like, that's a product that didn't exist before. And then I think of a company, Laurels, you know, the dental dam has never been reimagined really. And there's this company, Laurels, that's making, you know, a, a kind of a, an underwear um, kind of that helps create a barrier between fluids for oral pleasure and oral, you know, oral activities. And if you think about like who developed the condom, who developed, these are technology. This is, this is about like, this is where it gets into tech. And so many of these things were never redesigned, right? You think about menstrual cups and all of these kind of innovations that are starting to reach mainstream now, but they were developed long ago. And so, you know, I think all of those things are like, are, are part of that. And in terms of, you know, where O-School fits into it, there needs to be an on-ramp, right? Like if only sexually liberated people are your customer base, all of the companies in the space will remain really small and won't reach scale. Like for us, we need to, um, as an industry, we need to really start thinking about our own platforms. As you know, Facebook, you know, all of the social media platforms are not the place where sex tech is embraced. You know, it's, it's, it's totally, you know, treated to the double standard um, that like, you know, we can talk about erectile dysfunction meds, but everything else really is think of, thought of as obscene. And so, you know, O-School is part of that movement of like, what is the future of how people get this information? And that's enabled in a really, you know, in, in a, a really product and tech driven way. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, that's interesting. That again, when I think of tech, I go to like electronics and you're saying it's, it's innovation. It's something that is new and advanced and, um, and informed as well with, um, with sex education, with what's happening, what's really happening in the world. So yeah, that's really helpful for my brain. Reimagining. Uh, even things that maybe are beautiful yet not oriented for your body. So I'm thinking in terms of like the hot octopus uh, finger vibe. It's a finger vibe that's beautiful. It's meant to actually stimulate your vulva. However, it's not this kitschy novelty item. It's, it's, uh, it's elevated, a classic elevated. Is that sort of in line as well? Absolutely. You know, yeah. So I'm one of the founders um, I love. Her name is Amy. Um, and she found this company called Pulse, right? And it's a, you know, warmed lube dispenser. And she, you know, I saw her demo the product and she lovingly was demoing it. And she was like, yeah, like I, I just wanted to create like an Apple product level design of a device. And so when you're talking about design, you're talking about what exactly what you're saying, like people really thinking about who's the user for this and how can I make the experience fantastic for them? That's product development. And, and you know, to your point about, you know, it's not just, electronics, like Facebook, social media, these are all tech. This is Facebook's a tech company, right? Like Google's a tech company. So how we get information, all of that is part of the tech world. And the problem is that many of the sexual wellness, you know, brands that came for us, I like to talk about Scarletine, great resource online, but you know, were they ranking all the time in Google? Like, like were they resourced the same as a big tech company? Absolutely not. It was all of these nonprofits trying to do this work that really, it came down to funding, right? Like the, the, the bigger media companies, right? Cosmopolitan, think about Playboy, think about, you know, a lot, if you Googled before, like, you know, how to have an orgasm, you're going to get Cosmo, Bustle, Refinery29, right? And 
how people kind of come to these products, that's tech too, because this is about like the journeys of people using the internet um, to the places, you know, Amazon's a tech company, right? And, and, you know, so, and we all know how like that can be really a challenging place for sexual wellness. So absolutely sex tech involves all the ways that are solving problems that people have, you know, addressing their sexual wellness needs. Yeah, I love I love this that we, I came in like what the hell is sex tech? And like, cuz a lot of times we come to these interviews like yeah, we know a little bit about what we're talking about. We, we actually April and I really don't know a lot about what we're talking about. So this is really educational for us. But now we do know what she's talking about and we're pretty deep in it. We're in the sex tech innovation portion. I'm I'm stoked to learn more. And what about your book because your book is titled Sex Tech Revolution. How can people find that and uh, can you get just give us a little insight to what that looks like? Sure. It was really, you know, partly putting a little bit of roadmap out there. When I started in sex tech, there were very few books. There was like Vibrator Nation and a few other um, books that helped, but really there wasn't anything on the topic of sex tech or sexual wellness that I could find from a business perspective. And so I um, wrote the book to kind of give the, for me, like the bird's eye view. I've been, in, uh, in, you know, raising money in the space, like being kind of had a bank account shut down personally in the space. And so the book is really kind of trying to equip the next generation of entrepreneurs with just a little bit more information about the challenges and the roadblocks so that we get more innovators in the space. And also kind of hints at what I think is the future of sexual wellness, a lot of which we talked about, which is, you know, the cultural changes that have to happen to make sex tech as big, the hundred billion dollar industry it can be. Um, but you know, again, lots of things have to happen first. So that's what we covered in the book. It's on Amazon Audible. I did narrate the audiobook, which is fun. Um, yeah, so, I love yeah. when people get to use their own voice. <laughs> yeah, you can see why they chose you. Or you have to like interview. You have to like go in and interview with them. Like, hmm, is your, my own voice good enough for my own book? <laughs> it's a funny process. Um, what? Because you're kind of a badass entrepreneur. Um, what would be your advice? Is kind of a little off topic, but not really. To other women who want to just like create things and to like step up in their game, especially living in a society in a culture that um, it isn't necessarily the easiest for uh, vulva owning individuals, would you have any words of wisdom and maybe what what worked for you? If you could just tell someone in your in a nutshell how how to proceed, I would tell people that this is the time. And it is not, you know, cis straight white men who own this industry. Cis straight white men dominate every other part of tech pretty much. And that is not the case for sex tech. And there is a blue ocean opportunity. A blue ocean is, you know, there's so much opportunity, right? It's not like a red ocean. It's like a food delivery app. We call that red ocean. There's a lot of blood in the water <laughs> um, in those industries, right, to compete in. And sex tech right now has so many opportunities or so many audiences that are underserved. Right. And so I tell people there's Kickstarter now, there's Indiegogo, there's so many ways to start up projects. And, you know, we have organizations like the Women of Sex Stick out in New York, and there's so many new uh, ways of supporting those entrepreneurs. And I would welcome anyone to really like put their, put their hat in the ring and start thinking about starting a real business here. Because again, um, it's projected to be over a hundred billion dollars, but you know, in like a decade, um, if you think about it, sex is one of, I don't think it's going away. And I think that if we want a world where everyone's pleasure matters, closing the orgasm gap, like doing all of the things that, um, you know, you and you, the three of us know, because we've been working in the industry, there are still billions of people who need help, who don't access it, who can't access the things that they need because for whatever reason, 
And so I like definitely invite people to join. And again, yes, it's hard. It's super hard. It's, in the book, it's like a lot about challenges. At the same time, it's an opportunity because where other people aren't going, we should go. I think, you know, a lot of people compare it to the cannabis industry, which I don't always like because, you know, cannabis is still illegal in most states. And last time I checked, it's not illegal to, you know, masturbate and have orgasms and, you know, have sex. I mean, it shouldn't be treated like that. It shouldn't be treated like a vice category. But same thing, you know, there were a lot of innovators in, in cannabis who really started early and drove that. And I think that's the opportunity right now in sex tech. Mm-hmm. Will you remind our listeners uh, I don't, uh, how they can find O-School with the web addresses or O-School and how they can dive into more? Sure. We're www.o.school. Oh, that's easy. <laughs> I like We're the name. We're the O-School. <laughs> yeah. Dot com and everything. That's, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. No, no dot com. It's just, no, just dot school. Dot, oh, dot school. It's literally O dot school, like a dot edu or like the O school, O dot school. That's and a, it's not O-H, everyone. It's just O, the letter. Yeah. Yes. It's www.o dot school. Cool. Well, Andrea, this was remarkable. I'm happy to know what sex tech actually is, what it means, what it's doing for the world. And for all those folks out there that have some innovation in their brains, don't hesitate to move forward and uh, go out and, and make things happen. I think that there's room and space for more of sex products. There's more room for things that better your bodies and your increased pleasure and keep learning. So thank you for joining us, Andrea, and sharing your gifts with our listeners and with us. It was my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah. All right. We do want to give a shout out to marginswine.com. We love Margins Wine. See why. Go to marginswine.com. Sign up for Megan Bell's newsletter. She only releases two very small limited case, uh, no, not two cases, batches. You will love it. So sign up. And we will see you next Tuesday. Ciao for now. Don't forget to head on over to our website at shamelesssex.com for more. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code SHAMELESSPP in all caps at purepleasureshop.com.